Hey, hey, welcome to episode 71. It's Thanksgiving season, and as we inch ever closer to the day itself, please know that I'm grateful to anyone who has ever tapped that little triangle that points to the right to play or download this podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or your 71st, you're taking time out of your morning, afternoon, or evening, as the case may be, to give this a listen, so gratitude to you. I'm your host, Frank, and this is Silver Screeners. Tech problems unfortunately resulted in the scheduled guest for this episode, Stu and Al of the Stu and Al pod. There were minor tech issues with their Zoom, so they were unable to make it as had been previously announced to my socials. But all's good, and they'll be back at another time, which makes me really happy. Love you guys. Sending my best. Well, I don't know who's going to feel like they'll need a walker and maybe some Ben Gay once they hear this, but yes, it is true. It's been 35 years since writer-director John Hughes saw his comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, released in theaters on November 25, 1987. A career boost for all involved, this has become a Thanksgiving holiday must-see for God knows how many people all over the world. A little background first, though. A former advertising copywriter, Hughes made a name for himself throughout the 80s in the teen market with such fan favorites as The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, Some Kind of Wonderful, She's Having a Baby, and Sixteen Candles. But he was looking to stretch beyond teen comedies, and this story of a Thanksgiving holiday travel nightmare was the result. But if the idea of a 35-year-old movie has you be like, no! It's okay, yo, take it down a notch there and benefit from the words of actress Lauren Bacall. It's not an old movie, if you haven't seen it. Let me tell you a quick story that happened just this morning. So every Sunday, I drive my daughter in a Boston for her ballet lessons. As we're driving up the expressway, I ask her if she's ever seen this movie. She says, no, why? I said, oh, it's a Thanksgiving classic. It's so funny. It's Steve Martin from Only Murders in the Building, a series on Hulu that my wife and I have binged with her. We're big fans. I ask her if she knows who John Candy is, but she says no. I said, you've seen Spaceballs, right? She says, yeah. I said, he's the Mog, half man, half dog. And then recognition dawns on her precious teenage face as she says, oh, okay. So I tell her it's about these two strangers on the same flight from New York City to Chicago. There's a blizzard. They land in Wichita, Kansas. A look of, eh, whatever, spreads across her precious teenage face as she says, let me guess, they become best friends and spend Thanksgiving together in Wichita? I said, why no, not quite. I'm not going to give it away, but a piece of information surfaces that makes the movie sentimental, and I'll leave it at that. Determination then crosses her precious teenage face, as she then goes on to say, What, does it turn out that they're half-brothers or something? I said, no. Then she pulls off the hat trick and says, They spend Thanksgiving together and it's a happy ending, right? At which point, I was there like, oh, my dear. Well, sort of, not quite. I then decided to go for broke and took the plunge. I asked her, 1987, would you call it an old movie? And she said, no. I then knew that however I've been raising this child, that is at least one thing that I got right. You are welcome, Lauren Bacall. So with Lauren's nugget of wisdom put on the table, let's feast on the breakdown for this episode. First, a spoiler-free plot setup, meaning the premise and first little bit of the story. Then the spoiler alert as we go into some behind-the-scenes fun facts. Then we'll wrap up with the poll results and the listener trivia segment. So join me as we rewind to 1987. The year when U.S. President Ronald Reagan challenged Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev to tear down this here wall in Berlin, Germany. The very first Simpsons animated short debuted in April on the Tracy Ullman Show. The Order of the Gata was opened to women in Britain. The worst hurricane to hit southern England in over 200 years struck at the south coast from Cornwall to Kent. 
Aretha Franklin was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Disney Corporation and Country of France made it official that there would be a Disneyland in Paris, which would open five years later in 1992. The stock market crashed in October, and one month later, on Wednesday, November 25, this Steve Martin John Candy comedy debuted in theaters. Let's begin this holiday trek from hell, the likes of which you will never want to experience in this or in any other life. As the film opens, we see a title card that says, New York City, two days before Thanksgiving. On Wall Street, in a conference room in a looming office building, a one Neil Page, played by Steve Martin, sits at the table, waiting impatiently for his indecisive client, played by William Wyndham, to say something, anything, about the marketing layout that Neil's just presented him with for selling cosmetics. Sitting across the table from Neil is his colleague John, played by Lyman Ward, a.k.a. Ferris Bueller's gullible father. Neil pulls his plane ticket out of his coat pocket, looks at it, and in silent movie style, the airport destination and departure time are highlighted for all of us to enjoy. Destination, Chicago's O'Hare Airport. Departure time, 6 p.m. The client at the head of the table, meanwhile, opens his mouth to say something. Closes it. Takes off his eyeglasses. Puts them back on. Leans forward, leans back, still says nothing. It's like me and my wife when we're asking each other what do you want to do about dinner. Neil looks at his watch and mouths, I gotta go, to Mr. Beulah. Cut to Neil and John busting out of the conference room, heading towards the elevator, understandably bitching about how they just spent two solid hours of watching the client look at the material, only to decide to reconvene after the holidays for a fresh look at the layout. Their dialogue gives us the plot exposition we need, Neil needs to make the 6 o'clock back to Chicago, because he promised his wife Susan, played by Layla Robbins, that he'd be home that night by 9 p.m. in time for their daughter's Thanksgiving pageant and the holiday itself. Mr. Beulah says, why not join me on the 8? You'll never make the 6, just as the elevator doors close on his face. Just one thing, Lyman Ward must have had a contract with Hughes to get the most thankless, shittiest, smallest rolls bay, if it puts bread on the table. Outside in the cold New York City air, hoping to hail a cab to get him to the airport on time, Neil spots one last taxi cab. But so does somebody else across the street. And this somebody else is none other than Kevin Bacon in a dialogue-free cameo. They eye each other menacingly across the street like a couple of mountain lions getting ready to pounce on a limping baby goat. And they're off! Neil runs fast, Footloose runs faster... Neil runs somebody over in his desperation, Footloose is stalled by a flatbed carrying boxes. Just when it looks like things are going Neil's way, he trips and falls on his face. He looks up in defeat as Bacon gives him an arrogant smirk and a sarcastic salute as he climbs in and enjoys his newly claimed cab. This leaves Neil noticing a Louis Vuitton-inspired trunk with the name Del Griffith on it. He doesn't know and doesn't care whose it is, but he does resort to walking up to another guy who just hailed his own cab. He offers him ten, then twenty dollars. The guy demands fifty, then seventy-five. Neil forks over the dough, only to see the cab suddenly drive off. At a red light, he pulls open the cab door and yells, Hey, this is my cab! And he locks eyes with a very surprised Del Griffith, played by John Candy, who looks like a turkey about to be plucked for the Thanksgiving meal. Then the light turns green, and the cab is off once again. Neil finally arrives at the airport by city bus, only to learn that the flight's delayed. After using a phone booth to tell his wife, he recognizes Dell sitting across from him at the gate. Okay. With the mob scene that the airport clearly is, how the hell did they both manage to find seats that happen to be across from each other? It's one of those deus ex machina moments that you just don't question. You go with it. Neil eyes him angrily and says, you stole my cab. 
Dull looks at him innocently and responds, It was awfully easy to get a cab during rush hour. I'm sorry, I had no idea it was your cab. How's about a hot dog and a beer? Milk? Soda? Some tea? Lifesavers? Slurpee? Well, just let me know. I'm here. Neil grumpily boards the plane, and he is told that he is bumped from first class to coach. He's now making a spectacle of himself, telling the flight attendant, I don't want a refund. I want a seat in first class where I was booked a month ago. First you delay me, then you bump me. I can't wait to see what happens next. Cut to Dell's happy face as he's the tuba among the flutes. Hey, is this a coincidence or what? Have a seat. He jovially introduces himself as the director of sales, shower curtain ring division. Off come his shoe and sock. Then when everyone on the plane is asleep, Neil becomes the snore sandwich between the old guy in his right leaning on him and hacking his lungs out. And Dell to the left who says, six bucks and my right nut says we're not lending in Chicago. Well, Dell most assuredly gets to keep his right nut because he is in fact correct. Cut to the nighttime exterior of snow falling in front of a very home alone looking house, the John Hughes specialty. Turns out it's Neil's house, as his wife Susan wakes up to his call so he can tell her he is in Wichita. Then, either John Hughes belted a little too much brandy when he wrote this next line, or he intended for Susan to come across as a cotton-headed ninny muggins when she says in confusion, I don't understand what Wichita has to do with a snowstorm in Chicago. Susan, Susan, enough eggnog for you. In the event of inclement weather at an intended destination, it's called a diverted flight. Once Neil gets off the phone, Dell comes up to him and offers him these words of advice. Like your work, love your wife. He also confirms, we're not getting out of here tonight. We'd have more luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than getting out of here before daybreak. We're stuck in Wichita. Okay, as someone who as a kid never liked pickup sticks because it was always so difficult for those of us with no hand-eye coordination, hearing Dell's analogy makes one think, that's gotta hurt. Let's stop there as far as the plot setup goes. While Neil and Dell ponder the use of their asses to play pickup sticks, let's go over the river and through the woods for some behind the scenes fun facts. Over the river and through the woods to have a first rate play. Oh, hear the bell ring, tingling, hooray for Thanksgiving Day. As always, I want to play fair and remind you that in this segment there may be spoilers, so proceed with the knowledge that there'll be references to different points in the film, potentially including the ending, so spoiler alert now. Number 5. In its first five days of release, planes, trains, and automobiles took in $10 million. That is damn good for 1987. John Hughes was reassured that he could make a film about adults instead of teens but still have a hit in his hands. And John Candy, he earned an American Comedy Award nomination for Best Leading Actor. Number 4. This was not John Candy's first starring role. That was 1985's flop Summer Rental. But it was his first major hit as a leading man, or co-leading man. Even though Steve Martin got top billing, he threw a lot John Candy's way, letting him steal most of the scenes they played. After Candy's death, Martin began crying during an interview with Janet Maslin of the New York Times when he recalled the end, where Del Griffith tells Neil at the train station that after his wife died, he would just travel around and attach himself to people during the holidays and confesses, but this time I couldn't let go. Number three. For the first few takes of the scene at the car rental place, Edie McClurg simply raised her finger and had a standard phone conversation with the customer. Then Hughes told her to improvise while talking on the phone about Thanksgiving. She is the one who came up with all that shit about needing roasted marshmallows and taking care of the crescent rolls because she apparently admitted that she can't cook in real life. She claims that people to this day still ask her to say the line, You're fucked. Number two. 
Elton John wrote and produced a song for the movie that ended up getting tossed. According to the song's co-writer, Gary Osborne, the two of them had very nearly finalized the song before contractual technicalities got in the way. Just two days before Elton John was supposed to record the song, he and his team pulled out. Turns out Paramount wanted to own the master of the song, which Elton John's own contract with his recording company wouldn't allow. The song has never been released, and as far as I could tell, it has never been recorded. Instead, Paramount decided to use Paul Young's Every Time You Go Away. But Paul Young's own record company, Columbia, wouldn't permit its use in the film, so another cover of the song was produced. Young himself was disappointed by this, since he was apparently a big fan of both Martin and Candy. And number one. John Hughes originally wanted Tom Hanks for Neil and John Travolta for Del Griffith. Hanks was too busy working on Big, and the production company did not want to give the role to Travolta, who was in a career slump and had lost clout after a few movie flops. The teaming of Rick Moranis and John Goodman was also considered. Even John Hughes almost didn't direct the movie. Originally, Hughes had passed the script off to his friend and frequent collaborator Howard Deutsch, who directed Pretty in Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful. But once Steve Martin signed on, Hughes said, eh, give me that script back. And Deutsch directed John Hughes' script, The Great Outdoors, instead. Which, by the way, I did an episode on just about two months ago, so check that one out. And now it's time to announce the results of this week's online poll. The question for this episode, number 71, asked you, if you had a deal with any of the travel mishaps that Neil and Dell go through, would you rather A. Be on a plane with someone, removing socks and shoes, and waving the socks around like a victory flag, B. Hike a mile to the highway when your train goes bust, carrying all of your luggage, or C. Drive a burnt-out automobile with a melted speedometer only to be pulled over and told the car has to be impounded. Let's begin with Twitter. Out of the votes that came in... None were for dealing with the shoes and socks in a plane. I can see that. 16.7% went for the burnt-out automobile, while a whopping 83.3% chose the busted train and subsequent hike to the highway carrying your own luggage. My friend Carlo from the podcast The Movie Loot says the hike easily. I like hiking. Carlo's been on this show a couple of times, once for The Godfather's 50th anniversary this year, and the second time for two comedies also released in 1987, Adventures in Babysitting and Summer School. Thanks, Kylo, for your contribution. And over on Ye Old Book of Faces, a.k.a. Facebook, it was 33% for the burnt-out automobile, 16% for the plane, and once again coming out on top, the train with 51. Huge thanks to all voters. As I say every time, these polls are intended to be nothing more than goofy fun to generate interest in each upcoming episode. A form of advertising, I guess you could say. So thank you for taking part in it. And don't forget to keep your eyes open on my socials for the next poll. Just check out the Silver Screeners group on Facebook, or you can follow me on Twitter at FilmBuff1974, Instagram at FrankMendoza1974, or simply email SilverScreenersPod at gmail.com. One last thing before we close out. The listener trivia. In each episode, there is a different trivia question that is directly and sometimes indirectly related to the movies or the cast and crew involved. You're all invited to play along at any time. Don't worry one bit if you don't like the idea of having your full name announced either. I err on the side of caution with that one, so only first names and last initials are what you'll hear, unless you say otherwise when you submit your answer. 
you get a shout out as well as a movie related meme sent you away with a personalized greeting. And don't worry about when you listen to episodes either. You're not limited to the latest question in the latest episode. It doesn't matter what episode you're listening to, how far back, how recent. Just answer any trivia question from any episode at any time. You'll get your meme and your shout out. And if you're a creator of anything from music to podcasts to websites to YouTube series to shower curtain rings, I'm always happy to give you a no strings attached plug because, as I say each time, people help people. And that's that. So, last time, Seven Seas from the No One Fifteen Allcast joined me to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Steven Spielberg classic E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which first came out in 1982. And the question was, what 1993 Spielberg movie starring Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum overtook E.T. to become the top-grossing film of all time? And the answer is... Jurassic Park! A movie-themed meme with a personalized greeting is on its way to the following in no particular order. I'm Mark Kantrowitz, author of the fascinating book Old Whiskey and Young Women, American True Crime Tales of Murder, Sex, and Scandal. If you like true crime, or if you like the sordid side of Hollywood history, this is the book for you. Mark was the very first guest I had on this podcast back in July of 21. That was episode 13, and we talked about the scandals of Errol Flynn and Lana Turner. Great hearing from you again, Mac. Also, give it up for a long-time listener, regular trivia player, and all-around film buff like so many of us, the legend that is Mary C. Mary, all the best to you. DJ Nick from the Gold Standard Oscars podcast joins Mac and Mary in reigning trivia supreme. He and his two co-hosts, Rachel and Zan, have also been on this show before, once for the Jurassic Park franchise, and recently for the 100th anniversary of the silent film horror classic, Nosferatu. Nick's in Italy and has this to offer. The answer is Billy and the Clonosaurus, or as it's known in non-Simpsons circles, Jurassic Park. Nick, anyone who can work in a Simpsons reference to anything is an okay Joe in my book. I mean, thank you, come again. Not a private joke, folks. Just go on YouTube and search for The Simpsons, Billy and the Clonosaurus. It's only about 35 seconds long, and it eerily predicts Hollywood's current state of the Darth of creativity. And my man Chris from the Movie Psycho Podcast is also in the winner's circle. He and Dave, my co-host for my other movie podcast, Movies Across the Pod, they collaborated for the first time together for an episode on Shaun of the Dead, so it was great to listen to them meeting each other. That's an episode of Chris's show, The Movie Psycho. And speaking of Dave, yep, he got it too. Dave from Liverpool, England, my co-host and good friend, he also has his own solo project, a podcast called I'd Give That Ten Minutes, which is currently in its fourth season. Definitely check that one out. And Stu of the Stu and Alpod, the very first person I met when I first began this whole podcasting journey. He and Al have been friends since they were kids together. They've been doing their comedy podcasts since May of 2020. A big thank you to everyone, as you are all sincerely appreciated. Whether or not you're a podcaster yourself, you keep this trivia segment running. Keep your eyes open for those memes, and to anyone else kind enough to be listening, please don't hesitate to join in. You have nothing to lose, and a shout-out and cool meme to gain. And what the hell, go ahead and begin with this episode's question. Here it is. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles has not one, not two, but three actors appearing in brief roles, all of whom were in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Lyman Ward, Neil's colleague John, was Ferris's father. 
Ben Stein, whose monotone repeat of Beulah's last name while taking attendance has become the stuff of pop culture comedy lore. He's the one who announces the cancellation of a flight in this movie. And Edie McClurg, who tells Neil point-blank, You're fucked, is Ferris's high school secretary, Grace. McClurg was also one of the bullies who torments Sissy Spacek in what 1976 horror movie based on a Stephen King novel? The climax of the film is The Senior Prom. Send in your answers, and as always, if you have any follow-up questions or have any comments or anything from today's episode or any episode that you have listened to, just hit me up on my socials. Once again, FilmBuff1974 on Twitter, the film group Silver Screeners on Facebook, Frank Mendoza 1974 on Instagram, or you can email silverscreenerspod at gmail.com. And that brings episode 71 to a close. As I say at the conclusion of every episode, big thanks once again for listening. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope that it is a great one for you and your loved ones. If you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, well, then on Thursday, have a nice day. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Please feel free to give Silver Screeners a rating on Apple, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, because it really does help to boost the show's visibility and the algorithms on these platforms, which only means that more people can discover the show. Catch you next time. My name is Frank, wishing you good health, good autumn weather, good movies, and a happy Thanksgiving. And until next time, keep on screening. And I leave you now with the soothing sounds of Neil and Del having a hearty Thanksgiving meal together with Neil's wife, kids, in-laws, and parents, when Neil suddenly realizes it was still snowing in that iconic shot of the two of them carrying Dell's trunk down the street. So, with transportation still grounded, how long will Dell need to stay? Nom, 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 nom. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? You're fucked. <laughs>